Really? I, I, I'm not surprised at all. Sp- especially about social media and you'll be happy that you're not into social media much. Yeah, I kind of figured. I'm happy that I'm not. The only thing that I'm on is on LinkedIn, LinkedIn. and WhatsApp. And uh, WhatsApp is a necessity, family, friends, you know how it is. Yes. It's just like it's a cheaper methodology of communicating. Uh, but sometimes I think that that was better in some ways as well. Uh, when you get things too cheap, they lose value. So it's just a fact. You know, because now it's so cheaply available, um, those same relationships where you, you know, I still remember the days. I mean, I don't know. I feel very old, but getting the calling cards and scratching them out and going and making the phone call, <laughs> uh, it, the, the process becoming so lethargic and difficult and challenging, the ascribed value for that process became very, very high. But now just in a second, you can call your grandmother or your uncle or aunt or whatever. So those same calls no longer have the same value. Mm. So it's cheaply available to you. It's easily available to you. So do you have the same regard for the same calls as you used to? The answer is no, it's not possible. Mm. It's just humanly impossible that you ascribe the same value to something that previously was way more valuable and ex- you know expensive versus something now that's cheaper. Mm. So with that, our relationships have also taken a nosedive. Mm. So, uh, you know, you, you can make so many more calls, you know, people went crazy on social media. Um, I saw it, you saw a blue tick, green tick. Okay. I saw your message. Yeah. I mean, I I saw it. Yes. But it was 2am and for sanity's sake, when I will wake up, I will answer your message. I mean, most people have removed the whole blue ticks and, you know, all the last scene stuff. Mm. I, uh, you know, for the sake of uh, sanity, I mean, try to be nice. I still left it. It was a very difficult decision to just keep it there. I was extremely annoyed. Brother, I saw you were available at 2 a.m. Habibi, it was 2 a.m. Are you nuts? Like, <laughs> please. So, yeah. But then, you know, you also have the odd, uh, the oddball that is very infrequent. But when it happens, you're like, yeah, I don't want to be the one who made it difficult. So I had a friend who attempted, for example, suicide. And, you know, then you're just like, Okay, fine. I'll put up with a little bit. And, you know, it's not every day that we, alhamdulillah, see people committing suicide. But you never know. So I kept my channels open as much as I can for my side. And as for the rest of humanity, I will pick up my phone when I freaking want to. Otherwise, leave me alone. I promise that I will answer your messages. I will read them. But when it is humanly possible for me. So, yeah. Social media changed everything. So, welcome back, guys. We were discussing about social media and it was about the topic we were discussing about Abdul Aziz was talking about in this podcast before, maybe two or three months before. And I was suggesting him to watch completely because this is where he, 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 he need and he will be happy if he watches because he's not much into social media as you can know from his uh, conversation. So... Many of us sometimes, or any, any, any youth you talk to, uh, young brother, uh, they get annoyed. Annoyed from the people who are elder to us, or oldies, yeah, you know, with all due respect to them. Uh, when they start defending their ideologies, sometimes they think that this is Islam, or this is, this is Hinduism, or this is whatever the religion they follow. And what happens is they are... Uh, putting all the young brothers away from uh, the sound ideologies, which is sometimes like any bothering me and many of them are really like staying away from 
these kind of uh, conversations. What do you I, think about this? Yeah. I mean, over time, what I would say is that, you know, one thing, one ayah that keeps resonating in my head again and again is, This is how we made you a balanced nation. And in my fluctuations and movements up and down over the years, of course, we spent a lot of time together in various projects. I've seen my own behavior and fluctuations um, within my life from being very active, let's say, in, in the da'wah scene or some of the Islamic organizations or charitable organizations, and then completely receding backwards. And I've seen all kinds of people, and I've met younger people, older people. And I think there is a fundamental problem when we um, go from one extreme pole to the other. And the the middle point, which is hard to find, is where we ought to be. Mm. So, one, you know, the world has changed so drastically. We live in a completely different, you know, zoo, let's put it this way, with this the social media, the technology. I mean, you know, the way things have changed... I look at the people who are older than us. They're just like you literally have you're holding on to the past with threads. Very, very, very thin threads. Yes. These elderly people have knowledge that will be lost forever very soon. Right. So history, which is recorded, as they say, is recorded by the ones who won the war. And in today's world, I'd say the media war, whoever has the loudest mouth, the loudest speaker to scream off of, uh, seems to write you know, the, the, the scripts of what history is or who someone is. Overnight, I can turn Kazi into a devil or into a hero just simply by tweeting about it. And, you know, if the right people get on top of that bandwagon, it changes the perspective. So that's how fluid our reference of truth has changed. So, yes, we have elderly people who lived in a completely different lifetime. That's also there, that things have completely changed so there, a lot of the concepts that they have sometimes don't hold relevance, and that is hard for them to give up as well. But at the same time, given that they are from a different time altogether, they have facets of information, wisdom that is extremely you know, valuable in a mm. way that in a few years you will never find it. Uh, talk, if you want to talk even about values in terms of what we deem to be acceptable or not acceptable, rude or not rude. Previously, let's say the standard of modesty in some societies was higher. Globally, if you look at, let's say, media, how things have become a little more, let's say, crude, how things were okay or not. So, you know, I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to superhero uh, mm. stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, I used to be a Superman, Batman fan. I mean, boys love Batman. Don't judge me. So uh, if you, so I happened to just watch uh, Batman, you know, th- like, uh, so when we were kids, we used to travel uh, every time during the summer vacations. Mm. And when we had, I mean, I didn't have cable TV. I had mm. Bahrain Channel 55. That's what I had. Like, you mm. know, the antenna, the old style thing. Yeah. So every school year at the end of the school year is when Channel 55 used to air the finales. And we would leave every single time. So when we'd come back, story's over, we'd miss the train. So I had these long-lost memories of unfinished business, and therefore I watched many of those seasons again. Now, I watched... uh, Now, they continue these franchises up to today. And if you watch them at that time, sure, they have some questionable content even then. Mm -hmm. But I was surprised with the kind of language that they've become okay with, the kind of concepts that they're okay with presenting whether it be the nudity or the foul language. And these are kids' shows. It was surprising for me. It's the same 
producers or manufacturers or, uh, or the media centers. But the things that have changed, there are some good things as well, but uh, that decay, you know, this is what it is. This is what you have to accept now. And I'm terrified that these are the kind of things I have to do to raise my kids. This is the world that my kids are going to come into. Yes. I mean, my parents had it way easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, they did something right with us kids. I, I, I look at my parents and I'm just like, okay, how did they, you know, like you say that I'm not focused on social media. My father said one thing, which was that, look, when, so when Facebook came out, I was in school. I was maybe in the seventh or eighth grade. And he said, look, I don't know what this is, but I would want you to stay away from this. I don't know what it is, but I have a hunch this is not going to be good. Just mm. trust me and stay away from it. Mm. And we stayed away from it. Mm. Now, it's not what he said. That in itself is very interesting wisdom. But the fact that as a father in our teens, it's extremely, I mean, I have my fair share of rebellious spouts and stuff. Every Mm. kid does. But the fact that you have a relationship with your child, I mean, you should be interviewing my dad. How did you do that? I really question this point. I asked him why that. (laughs) <laughs> right whenever he comes comes for prayer time or anything we, so, we used to have a conversation really interesting so, so this was my uh, this is a question that i d- deeply need to understand because i need to raise my freaking kids and it's going to be way worse how do you establish a trust in the ages when kids are going to do whatever the heck they want they are at this point where uh and especially in our times it's not even that you know before it was that, you know, he's going to have friends, he can go out. No, this is on their devices. They are connected to people all over the world with a second, mm. with a flash. They could be talking to anybody. anybody. And, you know, our parents, like, so I'll be in my bedroom. I'll be, so I'm watching Superman and Batman even now. Don't judge me. But yeah, I watch this stuff. But I could be watching anything. Yes. I could be watching anything. And, you know, it, it, I can be watching anything at any time. But I'm watching Superman or Batman. So, you know, I'm terrified that, you know, you go on YouTube. I used to watch, again, another cartoon series on YouTube. And I suddenly got this very filthy ad. And I have never watched anything else on that iPad. Unfortunately, that's my abuse of that unit. I'm just using it for watching cartoons. But Mm. one of those ads showed up. And obviously, I got rid of it. But, you know... It's it's like you, you, in a cartoon for kids, you're putting such a filthy, disgusting, okay, uh, really? messed up ad for a filthy, you know, uh, game. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm grown up, but what about a child? Impressionable mind. And they click on it and it just takes a second, you know, just to, to go down that road. Mm. It literally takes a second. Children have come in their late teens or early 20s and they're suffering throughout their life actually to mention that they started watching garbage online when they were like seven, eight, very young ages. Mm. Very, very young ages. Another one of my friends, she's a a counselor and uh, she told me about a young girl who's I think eight and uh, the mom was frantic and she asked her for assistance that, you know, my daughter, I found her watching filth online and you know and the nature of even what she was watching was very very perverse it was very messed up at the age of eight how it happened so she was at her uh cousin's house and they were watching a boy and a girl in romantic embrace and then she went and tried to search that when she came home and from that one thing led to another and 
This is happening real time, our time now. Tell me that isn't terrifying. Of course. <laughs> it's insane. It's eight, crazy, man. Six-year-old, eight-year-old kids. Bahrain. Oh, yeah. This is our communities. This is people we know. Yeah? I mean, you know the counselor. I'm not taking name for anonymity, but we know the individuals. So this is the world that we live in today. So going back to your question regarding the elderly and the older people, I'm going to say as annoying as these conversations have become. I mean, it's also psychologically interesting that, you know, when I uh, have a voice note that's really lyrical, I can press 1.5 or 2x. But I had one of my teachers. He was, um, I hope he's doing fine. But he was the oldest teacher in Bahrain. Mm-hmm. We used to see him at our older masjid, if you remember, mm. uh, Dr. Ustad Sayyid Jawdar. So he was, at the time, when I started talking to him about six years ago, when he was still here and I used to meet him, uh, he was in his early, uh, like, 80s or late 70s. Mm. He's a very, very elderly person, a treasure trove of knowledge. And most people used to avoid him because if he started on a subject, he would not let off that easy. He was very, very deep in his philosophical, scientific analysis of things. He was a school teacher, but he liked to explore concepts. And uh, when I started talking to him, he was extremely slow at speaking. He was very slow. And uh, at times, I remember at the Masjid in Omar Hassam, he would like stop me to talk to me about something. And the people have left. This is after Salat al-Isha, maybe. And the Masjid is absolutely empty and they're probably not locking us just because of us mm. and maybe an hour and a half and i'm getting calls from my mother where are you mm. and i'm telling her i'm with a friend so he goes on and on talking and i in the early stages of our relationship i would just be there because you know it's kind of rude to walk on an elderly yes. gentleman yes. but later it taught me a lot of patience to deal with people at that age and mm. i realized that this man is just full of knowledge he changed my perspectives on so many things. He used to spend time and effort out of his free time to teach me, knowing full well that I'm a young guy with hot blood who's probably just squirming in his pants ready to run. But, you know, <laughs> he capitalized on that. So I think a balance in everything that we do is, is very underrated. And that's maybe one of – it is the single quality, this ayah. You are a balanced nation. If we can find that balance, or at least we keep reminding ourselves not to go from one extreme pole or the other, but rather finding that middle ground, I think we would be far happier and successful people in every mm. aspect of our lives. Mm. Uh, why I took uh, that subject is because uh, one thing is, uh, okay, some will like you and me, maybe me, we, are, we had a similar similar stories. And I also had something similar when it comes to my grandfather used to pick me up out of all those grandchildren and, you know, get us, you know, listening to him. If everybody is sleeping, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's like, uh, it's, it, it, it will teach you all the values you need. But thing is like, if he's pulling you away or pushing you away, whatever you want to understand there, from the reference point, like you said, reference of truth, if they are uh, staying away, that is one issue itself. And if they don't get to know what is the reference point they should have in their life, whether the context in their life, that's where the problem starts. Now, all the problems which you see, which you explained also, very well said. 
and this is happening i think a lot now and do you think this is a so serious problem that we are not, we are putting people away from you know the reference point they have to work on or how will they get this reference idea man and how will they have the you know context in their life if for me itself to get that that context for myself in life it took lot of time and and i regret for not having somebody to tell me about it when i was very young and we are only only talking about the outside stuff don't do this don't do that mm. don't go there don't go here don't talk to this person there is so much of don'ts which is good okay you are stopping there but but now it's not like that <laughs> those days are okay now we are in metaverse level yeah the people are getting into vr and that's going to be more worse than what we are seeing today so how do we get them to that reference of truth i think the answer is within the same scenario that you've highlighted again within that aspect of balance uh so as you said that we talk a lot about the don'ts mm. but there's so many do's as well that are not talked about and we mm. we carrying the concepts in a very well balanced way it's not of course 100% possible for us to be perfect human beings but of course. that balance unfortunately we forget so uh i mean i've gone through a just a very rocky scenario even with my relationship with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and i'm not exactly in the best place where i should be right now and i'm trying to improve that but in my earlier days of let's say uh, i don't know if i want to say being an overzealot but when i was uh, very much interested you know i was just trying to figure things out uh you do go down that road of just trying to like uh you know being a little too tight or or stiff with things um and then that opens up another you know extreme way of things so uh i found that like some people would be averse to that and some of that rightly so some of that not and usually what we would use to justify that uh, that that scenario was is that you know when you're going to try to go on the path of the deen there will be people in your life who will try to push you away so you need to continue mm, now mm. that is very interesting because the extreme scenario i'm not saying that everybody who made the statement was wrong in its own place it may be right but how that plays out because you need to understand that whenever anybody takes a footstep towards allah shaitan is going to be working on his case to make sure that they never come back yes right the very hard Oh yeah, the Prophet ﷺ warned us that I'm afraid for the person whom shaitan will take outside the deen using the deen. Mm. Right? So this guy, first of all, he wouldn't come towards the masjid. He wouldn't go close to it. Now he's going. Now what do we do with that? Let's use the masjid to make sure his life is miserable, right? So I remember for myself in these earlier days I would be out like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. I mean, you remember the earlier glory days of our work, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, my parents, who may Allah bless them and guide them and keep them uh, on the path in their in their days and long life in obedience to Him, uh, they put up with a lot of nonsense from my end. Like they they you know had a lot of patience with me coming in. You know, at a guy coming in at one o'clock or three o'clock in the morning. That isn't exactly the picture of a respectable family. It isn't. Yes. Doesn't have the right connotations to it, and for obvious reasons, rightly so. But they put up with a lot of things, and they would be careful, knowing that you know, rebellious young guy, and is at least he's going to a dawah or a charity event, and not a nightclub, which we have all the availabilities of. Yeah. So I guess 
they kind of accepted the trade-off, but the reality is that a lot of people will not be okay with that. They will not be, and, and rightly so. I really pushed the limits of my patients, of my parents. Mm. It was tough for them. Mm-hmm. And then slowly things did simmer down. And more importantly, when we go to that hadith about taking people out of the deen, using the deen, that burnout phase, I went through an extremely high level of output or productivity, which I could not sustain. And that's the perfect uh, Trojan horse. Mm. It is the perfect Trojan horse that Shaitan can use. He has a PhD on human psychology. Yes. So you have this strategy where I'm trying to produce this huge amount of output, which actually is not sensible. When I'm going to have a job, when I'm getting married, I'm going to have kids. Or in my case, when my brother started to get a little sick and mm. I had to spend more time at the hospital, boom, everything collapsed. Mm. And from that time onwards, everything has been downhill because this just wasn't sustainable. Yes. Right? Biting off more than you could chew. Taking another Trojan horse and coming back to the exact question you asked regarding people taking people away from the path. So when you start to become interested and then you start to look at people from, unfortunately, I don't know, somewhat an arrogant lens of looking at other people as lesser knowledgeable of Islam and you look at everybody as a possible uh, attack point on my newfounded Islam and faith. Mm. Some aspects of that are okay, but people need to tell them that your defense mechanisms need to be tuned down just yeah. a bit. Yeah. Not everybody's your enemy. And people who are, you used to spend, I used to be with those people and subhanAllah, I've left them all. <laughs> you know, this is how many, we've both heard the statement before. Yeah, 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 how many yeah, times? Yes. Right? I used to be with these people. They were like this and all those people spending time in those shisha clubs and this. Yeah, but you know, Nobody told you to just excommunicate everybody because if you think about it, this is perfect for shaitan. Like when you became this Muslim guy, you essentially went and just burnt off everybody, right? From Mm -hmm. your entire circle. And I was surprised that this strategy shaitan uses is not limited to Muslims. Uh, It is a, a, I was reading an article by a Christian woman uh, who was very interested in her faith and this, um, pastor and his wife i believe it was an article that she wrote it was on one of the famous uh, newspapers of the united states and she writes that this family uh they they saw that she was taking an interest in the bible and she wanted to read and things like that so she started getting more active and what this particular couple they did is that they slowly started to Mm. make her excommunicate the rest of her family by saying that you know you are so special and you know you're you 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 have faith you're so beautiful you're an amazing person and she felt special and what they would do is tell her like you know spend more time with God and in God's work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And she started to stay more away from her lesser believing parents. And she genuinely wanted to give her family da'wah. She wanted to tell them how they, how their belief is incomplete and they should spend more time in the church. And her mom started to tell her, you're spending more time with her than us. And in her mind, it was completely justified. She mm. writes this article after years of understanding what then o- went on in that point mm. where this family was kind of grooming her and psychologically isolating her from the rest of her family because she's now part of this flock, which immediately brought me back here that we do have these scenarios here as well, that mm. you have uh, the groupism amongst mm. organizations as well. Mm. We saw that both of us together, yeah. these yeah. weird dynamics. So, you know, I... Th- 
it again, I feel that we need to instill, if we really are true to what we want to do, there has to be this balance. We need to tell people, look, okay, calm down. You want to be a Muslim? That's really good. But that doesn't mean that you start excommunicating everybody. There will be people who will try to take you off path. That conversation needs to have, have been yeah, this had. This needs to be discussed. Absolutely needs yeah. to be discussed. But at the same time, we need to understand that this is a journey where we hold hands together, we move together. Uh, and the people whom we excommunicated, uh, and I'm guilty of that myself. Alhamdulillah, I didn't do a lot of it. And I did go mm. after people to say, look, I was wrong at that point. You know, mm. Uh, mm. I never really totally excommunicated somebody, but I did come to a point where I felt that I don't like that guy. So, oh, yeah, okay. I mean, uh, well, there may, and that individual, for example, understood very well that he got under my skin. He understood it very well, and he went out of his way to get under my skin. Okay. So there may be legitimate grounds for that, but that never gives us the right to do something like that. You can't mm. just excommunicate somebody. How has that helped them? How is that your responsibility that you just push somebody out of the community? How is that fair that you're like, I mean, I never went that far, but I've seen people do this where mm -hmm. they're going to start saying, okay, that individual is like this. You need to stay away from them. Mm -hmm. It's happening. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's all too common. It, it, so what happened with that couple, if I conclude that story? So while she was part of their flock, they were very nice to her. But the moment she um, started to feel that they're pulling a little too hard and she tried to detach from them not attend as much they started to verbally abuse her make her feel bad and you know mm. tell her she's not special anymore and then they found another special lamb that they could take within their fold mm. so there's this weird sort of psychological manipulation and play over there as well right mm. so you do what i'm saying in a narcissistic way it's all cool but the moment that you go outside that fold that i've drawn up for you that circumscribed circle that you should be in mm. things change relationships mm. change so, yeah, I think work needs to be done. How was your experience? How did you get into the context which which needs to be there for everyone? The reference point you are talking about, the truth you are talking uh, about. Well, uh, not it, everyone gets it, by well, the way. Well, I mean, yeah. in all fairness, I'm not going to say I'm there yet. I think that it's a journey that I'm working on personally. Yeah. So At least you have reference. Okay, this is where you have to go. You're, you're on the, on the, and it's progress. It's under progress, Yanni. It's a process. In the past, when I started to take... I mean, it goes back all the way to the sixth grade. So I uh, would consider myself somewhat of an agnostic at the time. So it was more of like, you know... we're. I mean, if we think about it, like, I don't know about yourself, but myself, faith wasn't something that just naturally came to me, right? Mm. So I was born and brought up in a Muslim household, but, you know, like, I did believe that there probably is a creator of some sort... Uh, and before I decided to simply just cut loose and do whatever I wanted, because I was praying because my parents told me to simple mm. as that. I'd be like, if I could just go and not make wudu and just, you know, skip out, I would, I was like doing whatever I could possibly do just to do what needed to be done to make them happy because, Hey, I'm living under their roof. That's it. Mm. I had no real interest in Islam. You could say there, there was no connection. There was no, uh, grounding and understanding. I mean, my parents spend a lot of time trying to teach us and help us understand various concepts in life. But that particular one just didn't really, it fell on deaf ears, mm. right? But they provided us with a variety of sources. And I, whatever Allah put in my head, I had a thought, which was, before I go on a crazy crackpot spree of doing whatever it is under, under the sun, haram, halal, 
maybe I want to give this religion thing a shot and just make sure that there is really no God and there is no religion because mm. you don't want to show up being resurrected realizing you're on the wrong side of things. So let's just make <laughs> okay. sure we're on the right side okay. of At the least, fence. At least, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, then I, I started to go on this little search of how things made sense. And that's where I started to get in touch with various, you know, uh, you know, uh, videos and concepts about Islam. I started digging and then that started to make sense for me that, yeah, okay, there is definitely a God you know, the universe that exists, the architecture that you have, it's impossible that it all showed up on its own. That makes no sense. And then that led to the natural selection of this makes most sense. And actually, this is the only thing that makes sense. And then, of course, Islam. And then that interest in Islam would start to grow. And then, you know, you start to get uh, really excited. And that excitement, Mm, you take up way mm, more than you should. mm. And then around at that time, I think when I finished school, sixth grade, four years go by. uh, And then I end up uh, meeting you at some point before university. And then I started to get very active with all, I want to do anything and everything I possibly can. And it it was like, I mean, I'm out spending time with you at the gym all the way up till 12 (laughs) o'clock in the night. And, um, you know, luckily at that point in time, I was able to juggle with so many things and it didn't Mm. affect my studies. I was Mm. generally an okay achiever, average above average, you know, so uh, things were cool. The fact that I was above average and I was juggling with this, if I had paid more attention to my studies, which I never did, I probably could have been able to do a better job, mm. uh, much to my parents' dismay. Um, so, I mean, my parents were proud of what I was doing, but, you know, they would be voicing this concern that, you know, maybe you don't want to spend so much time and you maybe you should be giving time to this as well. And I'd be just like, yeah, these guys don't know what they're talking about. Like, you know, they're trying to take me off the path of Islam and, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. Yes. I'm doing way more. And, you know, these unfortunate, arrogant thoughts do plague our minds. So um, life happens and uh, my brother got sick and, uh, you know, fast forward three, four years. Um, within this time, I see a lot of things, which I'll come back to. But the moment my brother got sick, I had to do shifts with my mother. So we were like both cycling. My dad would be at work and I had to go stay during the night. She stayed during the day when I was in uni and we had to spend time with him for a prolonged period of time in the hospital. I think you even visited once. So at that point, that's it. Like I completely disconnected. And that just really gave me an opportunity to think about, you know, what the heck are you doing with your life? Right. Mm, What's going on? mm, You know, mm. where are you? Right. So it's like Allah puts us through these situations. Nothing is without his due course and design. Everything on time in place happens for a reason. So um, like immediately I just woke up. Okay, where am I headed? What am I doing? Like, you know, what's really important to me? What are the Mm -hmm. things that are going around? So it it was a wake up call in terms of how I was managing in my time. Um, However, at that point, there was this sort of downfall in some ways as well so like i used to be doing qiyam al-layl for several hours it was nothing for me in the past but now like if i get up and i pray with it just qiyam al-layl time nowadays that's a big deal mm. so then there's that guilt that you know before you used to all do this you can't yes. do any of that and now you're you're just like going through these extreme poles mm. so one of my friends says look brother life happens it's okay you're not doing anything wrong by, you know, not praying hours of Qiyam. You're going to work. You work early in the morning. You work at a power plant. It can be physically taxing at times. Things happen. You have a brother who's sick. Find a balance. Do what you can. 
but stop guilting yourself and going through this. That's a very, very powerful tool that Shaitan uses against us where like, you know, so now I'm thinking of those things that I described as the glory days, but the reality is maybe that was an excess. Yes. Right. And maybe this is too low of a depreciation of where I am right now. So like mm-hmm. COVID happened and you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested us and like myself, my going to the masjid is not as frequent. Yes. I used to be very frequent at going to the masjid. Like, mm-hmm. Even if I've missed the jama'ah, I will try to go and pray in the masjid. masjid. But now it's just like, I will find excuses not to pray in the masjid. Yes. It's like, what happened from there to there? And where was I supposed to balance things out? Mm. So now having seen these two extreme poles, I'm starting to say, okay, you know what? I should probably go to the masjid. Why? So a blind man came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said that, uh, can I be excused from praying to the masjid? Because I'm blind. I have nobody to take me. Mm-hmm. Things happen. You know, there could be snakes. And, you know, they didn't have like paved roads the way we do. Yeah. Snakes and scorpions were a thing before we banished them from our mm. current existence. Mm. So that was a thing. And in some countries it still is. But you get what I mean. So the Prophet ﷺ said, okay, you're excused. And then he said, wait, wait, come back. Come back. Do you hear the adhan? And he said, yes. He said, okay, answer the call of the adhan. So that's our reference. We don't get to pick and choose. Sure, it's not hard and fast. At the same time, Allah is most kind, most merciful. But I'm always seeing myself that I have the most elaborate excuses for not doing something, right? Whether it be religious or, or uh, in my professional life or my personal life, mm-hmm. you know, even though I see that everything within our lives is within the scope of us submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and therefore Islam. So that's yes. another subject. But uh, let's say when I mean religiously, I mean the, the specifics like salah that we usually ascribe to religion. So within that or otherwise, I found myself constantly making excuses for my own failures. Instead of saying, yeah, you need to do this, just shut up and do it. You need to do it, right? And so now I'm trying to reclaim that territory, which is that, you know, why are we at the back burner of anything and everything? You asked about that point that the world is going to the metaverse and all these places. My conclusion is that that they're not the people who have reached these heights. They're not inhuman. They are human. Yes. And there are most of them in the world that we see today. Yes. A little bit of an exaggeration, but there are a lot of them. Uh, many of them are not, not Muslims. Some of the richest people who are going to Mars, we may debate the merits of going to Mars or not. But to be able to do that, to transfer to different worlds, that is a feat from an engineering standpoint, yes. I think both of us can definitely appreciate yes. to be able to set up the logistics and supply chain, the design, the framework to be able to achieve something so interstellar is freaking amazing. Why are our people on the back burner? And, you know, that is something that we need to think about. It's not that they are inhuman. And I don't necessarily like these extreme anchors and conversation that, you know, they are like this, we are like this. I think all societies have something positive and something negative. So definitely we have amazing things to offer and they have amazing things to offer. But focusing on our ineptitudes and the things that they have, I think that first off, offering fertile soil and offering fertile ground for things like this to grow, that is now currently changing. Like you have countries like, uh, the UAE, and you have leaders who are trying to offer at least that grounds for those people. So things are changing. You see the Crown Prince of Bahrain also trying to promote such uh, sandbox scenarios for businesses and things. So the mindset is changing. So that's one side of things. On an individual level, I still think that there's so much more on our mindset that needs to change. Mm. We have, I have a lot of excuses for so many things that don't happen in my life. I procrastinate like crazy. 
mm. right? I have so many, many, many excuses. So like um, I have different concepts in my mind, ideas. And one of my friends who actually is a business, uh, a successful businessman, he said, look, ideas are cheap. It's the execution. So I have all the brilliant ideas in my head and I was thinking about as to why I end up being a failure. And the answer is very simple, at least to me. It's nicer this way. It's nicer to have a great idea and tell myself I'm so smart and the world just sucks and not do it and not have to put the effort and suffer the failure of going down that road and finding out that, you know what, I was an idiot and people probably saying that to my face, I guess what, you suck. Uh, versus me standing and saying, I have this amazing idea and talk things that are way more complex for other people to understand. So I look smart, I behave smart, and you know, I can continue life with that badge. I can wear it on my chest. It makes me look good. And I'm actually good for nothing, right? So if we look around and you talk to people who have great ideas in our communities, that the people that we meet, it's always that we have great excuses for our failures, Right. You know, this happened, that happened. Look, I will empathize with you on all those points. I'm not going to deny that your problems exist. I mean, if anybody has the right to play the violin, I mean, I can play the violin on the back, you know, on the back burner or or on the backbone of my brother's stories, Mm. the things that I've gone through as a family, the things that we're going through. I, I have a thousand stories, but deep down inside, I know very well that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has immensely blessed me with so many, many things. Mm-hmm. And I can do so many things with it, right? So I have a problem that I binge watch. Like we're talking about hours and hours of Superman bad episodes, right? <laughs> okay. One after chain smoking those episodes. I don't condone smoking, but just giving an example. So I'm going through all of this. We're talking about hundreds of hours, days of pure video time of these episodes, mm. Right? I mean, in the past, we were forced to watch Channel 55 that that'll give one episode in a week. <laughs> Watching these episodes, maybe Anytime. 10 in a day. Oh, yeah, 10 in a day. Yes. Right? I want to talk about the different... more episodes now. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, like, you know, you've got years. Like, these seasons would be for, like, months. So, I'm concentrating their months and months or years of work. Like, say, you take one series of one of these cartoons. They made them in, what, five, six years. I'm compacting it and finishing it in a month. What does that tell you? Mm. It's an insane waste of time. The Prophet ﷺ said, I fear for my ummah that they will, you know, they will be very frivolous and they will waste. And I'm paraphrasing, so pardon me if I'm not exact with the words. uh, That things that they will waste foolishly. Like foolishly. And one of them was free time. Their free time. And that's also one of the five things he said, use comes before comes. And one of them was your free time before you get busy. So, you know, like I don't have kids right now. I'm not married. I do have, I wouldn't say, I don't like the idea that, you know, things only get more difficult as they go. I don't think I like that perspective. I think your life changes and you get different flavor of scenarios that you don't have before. But intrinsically things do change my life when i was a child isn't the same that i it is now i don't believe that you know all those days were like way better i don't think i like that concept but i will say that there were different opportunities available at the time that i wish i would have availed right and we just waste them so like right now 
There's so much I can do with my life, with my time. There's mm-hmm. so many things that I can do, which when I get married, inshallah, when I have my kids, those things will change. Or when somebody gets sick within the family or whatever happens, things will change. But that doesn't justify the way I'm using my time right now. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going through this sort of uh, mutation in my mind. Mm-hmm. My mindset has to change. I am not there yet at all. And I think that that will continue forever. And uh, at the moment, I'm like, okay, what's the problem? Well, the problem is you got all this thousand of hours of TV time and you're not doing anything with your life, Mm. right? What are you doing? Even if it's like perfectly halalified, I'm not going to go into the fiqh of whether watching cartoons is okay or not. I'm not qualified to talk about that. But let's say even if it is this much wasted of time on entertainment, do you think it's okay? I ask myself and the answer is no. Then I ask myself, why am I doing it? If I go down to the very bare bones reality of it, it's nicer. Again, mm. in these superhero movies or cartoons, everybody wins. You got superheroes who are able to do things that most human beings can't. We all aspire for these things. Mm. It's nicer to look at these heroes doing heroic things versus having to face reality. I have a master's degree that I'm doing, right, in engineering management. I absolutely hate it. Because mm. I keep procrastinating and I don't do my assignments. What is more pleasurable to my mind? Watching those episodes which have hap- happy endings? Or sitting and basically writing tens of thousands of words worth of work? Mm. Which one am I? do I have an affinity for? It's obvious that to, to satiate my desires for entertainment, I mean, in the end, I'd rather do that. It's very, very nice to be there. Everybody's happy. Heroes always win. It's nice. Mm, mm. I'd rather be there than over there. Mm. So then the bigger question arises. It's nicer to be there. It feels better. It's less, it, it makes you less, you know, in terms of your emotional stresses, mm. even though it'll peak back up again because reality is going to kick mm. back in. Mm. You can't just stay there forever. Some people believe they can. No, you can't. You're going to have to face this anyway. Yes. So is there a way we can hack our psychology? Mm. Is there a way we can hack our psychology? And mm. then you look at these successful people, right? You have, whether it's Simon Sinek, or you've got Gary Vaynerchuk, or you've got Richard Branson, or you've got all these successful people and you listen to what they say. So one of the things I don't necessarily like is profanity, but I love the content that he you know, presents. So Gary V says that, you know, business is fun for him. It's a game for him. He enjoys this. Yes. So he has hacked the psychology. He is good at it. When he was a child, they used to be going crazy with lemonade stands and making a whole lot of money from it. I'm not, mm. I mean, I, I guess I, I missed out on being a part of his kids club. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, is there a way that we can make this enjoyable? Mm. The, you know, what is it that I would really find enjoyable is the next question that I ask myself, mm. right? So I'm okay at work. I mean, my boss is happy. I mean, he likes my work. I'm happy about that. He appreciates it. Alhamdulillah, my, my boss's bosses like my work in general. Uh, no workplace is perfect, but in general, I'm doing okay. But at the end of my day, when I come home, I feel like I have a trophy case and I barfed into a bag and I added another barf bag to the line of barf bags that I have in my trophy case. Mm. right 
I don't necessarily feel I some days feel good, some days don't. But I don't necessarily feel like, oh my god, I want to go to work and tear up the ground and really do something amazing. Mm. I don't feel that way. Why? Uh, when I'm doing this master's degree, oh my god, I want to avoid. My, I just when I produce a piece of work, it's not necessarily when I was really good. I would get like ninety percent marks, which were like part of the top of the class marks. Otherwise, maybe sixty percent, eighty percent. But I know I'm capable of that, and the reason why I'm not being able to do it is because I'm doing a research paper that I should have finished in a month. I'm trying to do it in three days. Mm. What are you gonna get from that? Mm. What are you gonna get from that? It's gonna be garbage. You're lucky you're even getting any passing score or even some distinction. Mm. So why am I avoiding it? I will watch ridiculous episodes online on YouTube by some, you know, uh, documentary specialists on ant farms and how they move and their, you know, look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned ants in the Quran. This is good. Are you serious? You have a submission in a week <laughs> and you're looking at ants and how they, um, these are excuses. Yeah. I will go and talk to somebody about their problem that they're suffering and I'm feeling good that I'm helping. You are creating excuses. Can't you help them afterwards? You probably can. Don't you have a submission to do? Yes, you do. Why are you avoiding this? Mm. What is your freaking problem? And the reality of the matter is, is that, you know, I feel like I'm being forced to do these things. So I'm resisting it. But in the end, I'm the one who's going to suffer. And somewhere along the line, I lost the torch. Mm. You know, where was I heading with this? Mm. So that motivation, that drive, that passion is not there. Then I found this interesting course by a YouTuber called Mark Rober. You know, I, I, you know, he's a mechanical engineer, very good at what he does. So he had a course. And uh, what he talks about is going through the process of how he makes his YouTube channel and his videos, but more importantly, how his process in design works. Mm. Trivia is irrelevant, but the point was I leaped at this opportunity and I prayed thinking 100 BD for this. I just immediately got it and I got like all the stuff. To make it. And I jumped in. And even if while having the masters and feeling sick and whatever, I'll still log into the course and see how I can do something. I'll see what other people are doing and thinking about the different things I can do. Yeah, I was engaging with the content of this course freely. And I really am latching on to those concepts. And despite the various failures that I went through, I still made sure that I checked in. I continue to do it. Mm. Whatever that is that needs to get done. Mm. So this was like a moment of change in my mind. Like, okay, I'm doing something right here. Mm. So here I found something that I connected better with. Mm. The way we select our jobs and what we choose, this whole, you know, you need to do something that you're successful. I think that the the way we look at success, our mindsets are inherently flawed. Mm. We are running off of the fumes of Baraka as... Uh, Sheikh Kamal al-Maki put it when he came here. We are just like literally moving off of the legacy of knowledge from, let's say, our parents who have good intentions. And they're trying to offer us the best. But the reality is, is, and we've just talked about how the, the, the gap between the generations is so wide now. People, I mean, I, having been cut off from social media, am just so cut off from lingo that people use. Like, you know, uh, the, the abbreviations people use, I can't understand a lot of them, mm. right? So I was in my differenti- uh, differential equations class in university uh, around six years back. And my professor, who is probably in his 
late 60s. He is very, very old. He wrote something down in just dot, dot in letters. I said, what is that? Mm. He said, um, what was it? Uh, he, it was a, it's an abbreviation, I think, hence the proof or something. And an mm. HRSF something. He wrote something. And he, mm. I said, well, why didn't you just say that? Because I don't understand this. And he said, when you text message, do you write Y-O-U or do you write you? I said, I write Y-O-U. He said, you're very old, my friend. You're older than me. And I don't write like that. So there is a difference. Um, Not being part of social media and the whole texting of things. I feel like an alien now. When I communicate with people, I say, I say, mm. salam. When I start my conversation, most people don't. And they, I look, they think I'm weird. Mm. Uh, I, I don't, I use commas and full stops in my sentences and yeah. proper spelling. And yeah. I feel like an alien for just doing the sensible thing. Mm. I feel like an alien. Mm. So what about people who are like, you know, the smartphone came in and they were always using the, the, the polyphonic text phone with the three keys thing, mm. right? Mm. They still exist. Yes. I mean, take that and their kid who's using a smartphone. Mm. You think they're going to know about the details in the smartphone and what it <laughs> no means? Way. Mm. No way. Yeah. So we now have this gap and you have this scenario where your kids are going to have to make you know, decisions which never existed. So when I was joining university at that time, the whole electronic saga, people going crazy in telecom had already phased out. My colleagues in university were talking about how electronics is such a popular field. I'm just like, hello, mm. 10 years too late. Mm. Where did you get that? My parents told me. So there is this slow, delayed response. Yes. We need to wake up. Things are changing really quickly. Yes. And the attitude of the Muslim community sometimes is so apprehensive. It's, it causes paralysis. So I think the most hot topic these days is cryptocurrency. I'm not getting into the fiqh of cryptocurrency. But immediately what you hear is, let's say, that it's haram or we should stay away from this. I'm not debating the position of our... By the time it is clear. Correct. So in the, in the back end of things, blockchain techno technology is becoming the basis for yes. future transactions. Yes. That will happen. Yes. It that will is, remain for it, long it, time. And it, no, it will become the new age of how Maybe, we, yeah. we start contracts yes. and how we deal with our banks and everything is going to be on blockchain. Yes. Where are we on that? We're not there. Because we're still deciding whether something is halal or haram. Yeah. And the reason is, is because we are so lost in whatever it is, whether it's the consumerism that we're in and just very low self-esteem, low targets and what we want to achieve. You know, we're, we're so low with how we set our targets in life, you know? So, and it, again, would you rather set that high target, go ahead, go through all the difficulties versus watching Superman? Interesting. It's, it's just the reality of, of how we live. Our, I mean, how I live my life. It is easier for me to watch a funny episode of Superman yes. being a superhero, and I can just sit and watch that. Why, why to get off of my backside and do all those hard things? What's the benefit of doing that? And I think that is, that is the key. You know, there were days that I would be just like, you know, literally fired out of my bed. I would just be on some, I don't know, I was not on drugs, but I was on something. Mm. Right, that mm. motivation, that passion—it it just now just fizzles out. Mm. Nothing motivates me the same way as mm. it used to. Mm. Mm. Right, I'm not as driven. 
I find I'm, I'm able to discover sparks of that again with certain mm. things that I do. Mm. So I'm trying to find my way back, but we need to find a way where we can unify the things that we do and the things that we love. We need to find that balance. Yes. And that is where you will find success that is unparalleled because you will be so good at that. There's no comparison with you in the market because when you, something just comes like, I believe that every one of us, Allah, Allah says in the Quran, we molded and fashioned you and we beautified your mold. And I don't think that that's just appearances. Mm. I think in our very genetics and our very makeup and the environment, the parents that we were given, the friends that we were given, this entire scenario, Allah being Rahman Rahim, this was literally scripted for mm. your awesomeness. Mm. You don't use it. That's your problem. But the world and everything in it and your timeline. I mean, if you ask the question, is Allah all powerful and mighty? The answer is yes. Mm. Could he have done anything he wanted? The answer is yes. Mm. So my question to you would be, could Allah have not made Qazi born at the time of the Prophet ﷺ? Yes, he could. He could, but he didn't. Yes. And the precursors to discussion is, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. He is the most loving, kind, and compassionate to even those who are, you know, the most brutal, genocidal. He would give them opportunities to come back. Definitely there will be justice. But Allah, even when he sent Musa to talk to Fir'aun, when he sent Musa to talk to Fir'aun, he told him, speak to him with kind words. He might listen, knowing well that uh, uh, Fir'aun's not going to accept. But he still sends them with this. That mm. mercy and compassion being the precursor to all discussions. Allah decides not to put you there or me there for that matter or any one of us mm. that's here today. That can only mean that this time out of Allah being most wise, most compassionate, most love, He took care of our eyes, our nose, our mouth, our mother, our, every detail He took care of. So this detail is one of those details. The time that you were born in. The situation that surrounds you, this was manufactured just for you and every one of us to be the best version of ourselves. If you're not able to do that, darling, you need to look deeper. There's so many things that we can do right in our lives. And, you know, we're just sitting on our bums watching Superman. I mean, that's what I'm doing. (laughs) So, you know, so where I am right now is I'm now trying to rediscover, you know, who I am. What are the things that I like? What are the things that I'm good at? Where can I make a difference? Also learning to say no. Also learning to cut things out of my life. I mean, I still have that bad habit. Someone asks me for help and immediately I want to just say, yeah, and talk to them and listen to them. You know, people have problems and it does highlight that we have issues societally and we need people to take these things up, but I can't be there any, in any and every place. I'll try to do my best, but I'm going to have to learn how to say no. Yes. Even for things that are okay. And I'm going to have to learn how to focus. Right? I mean, somebody asked me, what do you think about cryptocurrencies? I said, look, uh, I don't know much about the Islamic nuances of the subject. I do not understand the technicalities of it. I'm working on something else. Go ahead. Explore. I can connect you with people who may be able to give you that knowledge. When you find out, do let me know. (laughs) But for now... Okay. I can only guide you in that direction, but I can't be a part of this right now. Keeping it clear and simple. Man. Yeah. So we'll be back with the end of the episode, hopefully, because I think it's not enough in one episode. So stay tuned and make sure you watch another episode.